There you go. Four punch, five punch, six punch combination. Body shot, body shot. Bang, 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 bang. Telling him not to counter punch. Welcome back, Fight Fans. It's episode 39 of the Fight City Podcast. I'm your host, Alden Kodash, once again joined by Michael Carbert, the editor and chief of the Fight City Podcast. How you doing, Michael? The last time you washed your hands. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Um, I'm washing them fairly often these days, Alden. I hope you are too. Well, no need for social distancing, considering that we're quite a bit away from each other, myself in D.C., and you in the fight city of Montreal. Am I correct? Of course. Yeah, on the outskirts, but yes, uh, I'm in the uh, environs of, uh, of the fight city, um, although of late, it has not been much of a fight city, unfortunately. I think worldwide, which is much of the theme of today's podcast, talking about some of the biggest fights that got taken away from boxing fans as a result of coronavirus and COVID-19 that it causes. Uh, but first, but we're going to try, try and be optimistic, right? We're going to try and look ahead and see, 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 try and see the light at the end of the tunnel, right? Yeah, because clearly this all will blow past us in a couple months, right? I hope. <laughs> or a couple weeks, as uh, some in power might allude to. But <laughs> anyways, uh, we uh, last week we suffered the loss of Roger the Black Mamba Mayweather. He died on St. Patrick's Day at age 58 of diabetes. He was a former two-division world champion, fought some of the best fighters of his era, including Julio Cesar Chavez, Pernell Whitaker, Kostya Zhu, uh, Vinny Paz, uh, Livingston Bramble. Not in great health lately, took a lot of punches, obviously. Floyd Mayweather uh, considers his injuries from boxing to have contributed to a lot of his uh, early onset of dementia, uh, other mental health issues. Uh, arguably, maybe one of uh, the drivers of Floyd's um, safety-first style that he employed, especially later in his career, which made him one of uh, the most successful fighters in history. So um, I guess that was one of the better influences Roger had on Mayweather, on Floyd Mayweather, but um, he was also a brilliant offensive fighter. What are your best memories of the Black Mamba? Well, yeah, I mean, Roger Mayweather, unlike Floyd, um, uh, Floyd Jr., uh, what I recall is he was not a particularly gifted fighter defensively. He was an exciting fighter. I mean, oh, yeah. uh, he, he gambled on his power, and uh, he was involved in a lot of lively, exciting fights. I remember his fight with Pernell Whitaker. Yeah. Um, uh, where I can't remember which, I think it was Whitaker. Somebody tagged the referee. Like Yeah, Whitaker. Yeah, I was just watching it earlier today. Whitaker, <laughs> he hit the referee with one of the harder punches I've seen a referee get hit with on the break. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, didn't that deck was him, a fun but... fight. <laughs> yeah, it was. They both hit the I mat, mean, and yeah, it was a lot I of mean, fun. Whitaker, Whitaker isn't, is, uh, I think, unfairly tagged a little bit. I think it's a bit unfair. You know, he's he's... By some, he's dismissed as a boring fighter. Actually, that's not really the case. 
By the way, if you want to learn more about Pernell Whitaker, go to thefightcity.com and click on Lee Wiley. Yeah. Brilliant new video on Pernell Whitaker from from uh, Mr. Wiley. Everybody should check that out. But um, no, uh, Roger Mayweather was a crowd pleaser. He was in a, in a lot of exciting fights. He was um, uh, he had a tremendous right hand. He knocked out so many Mexican fighters that for a while, instead of the Black Mamba, he was known as the Mexican Assassin. Yep, until uh, Chavez made him quit that's <laughs> in the right. rematch. Yeah. Uh, or so, away from him. I mean, he, he had a he had a successful career. He had a great run, uh, and then he had a great run as a trainer. He was highly respected as a trainer, and there was no, no one could question his boxing intellect. I mean, this guy knew the sport. He understood the sport. Um, and, of course, he came up with the great uh, catchphrase, uh, you don't know shit about boxing. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, One of my favorite that, that's probably going to outlive. Uh, that's probably going to, you know, be, be remembered longer than, you know, down the road more than anything else. I don't know. But, um, but his, his accomplishments in the ring definitely merit respect. And, uh, and he, he had an excellent career. Yeah. Definitely, uh, I think his offensive hey, style. Before yep. I forget, before I forget, um, along with other recollections, how many other fighters can say they, uh, you know, they took a took a shot at Lou Duva <laughs> uh, <laughs> at the end of his fight with Vinny Pazienza? Well, someone took a shot at Lou Duva after the. Uh, Maybe not a fighter, but someone took a shot at him after the Galata Bow first fight. Yeah, and, and either I, either someone took a shot at him, or he was just yeah, he was taken out in a stretcher and uh, was almost dropped on the way out by some inept medical personnel. But um, well, they weren't going through a particularly easy crowd either. But no, yeah, Roger Mayweather he uh, opened up a cut on Lou Duva, who was as livid as I've ever seen him. But well, rest I mean, in peace, and, and, Lou as well. Which just goes to illustrate, I mean, again, I mean, unlike Floyd, I mean, you can make the case that Roger Mayweather was a very entertaining and exciting fighter. And his fight with Vinny Pazienza is an example of that. I mean, it was a it was a rough, dirty, bloody affair. And then at the end, you had, you know, something of a riot in the ring with Lou Duva getting punched and cut. He was bleeding from his cheek. and You remember Roger you know, Mayweather against uh, Harold Brazier? That was a hell of a fight as well. Yeah, that was a Brazier war. Brazier right? almost knocked him out on several occasions in the late rounds, and um, Mayweather somehow made it out of there. But, you know, I think a lot of uh, the exciting offensive nature of Mayweather's style, Roger's style, was mirrored in Pretty Boy Floyd. Maybe not so much Money Mayweather, but Pretty Boy Floyd earlier in his career when he uh, – when he was a very crowd-pleasing fighter against guys like Emmanuel Augustus, uh, yeah. against guys like Jesus Chavez. A lot of people overlooked that as well. I think a lot of the offensive talents that Floyd picked up are, are probably more from Roger than from his dad, who might have contributed more to some of his defensive style. Uh, but obviously Floyd surpassed anybody in his family by a mile. But rest in peace, Roger. I know he had a profound impact on the Mayweather family. Uh I know uh, our hearts go out to him, and uh, may he rest in peace. 
Uh, may the rest of the boxing year rest in peace as well, thanks to certain events in the world, namely coronavirus. We had several big fights on the books, uh, either signed off and signed, sealed, and delivered or ready to be made. We'll start with Billy Joe Saunders against Canelo Alvarez for Saunders' WBO 168-pound title. Canelo's currently in transition between 160, 168, and 175. You don't really can't really keep up with where he's going to land because he's also agreed to fight Triple G at the end of the year uh, after the Billy Joe Saunders fight. But obviously, both of those get moved to the right for uh, an indefinite period of time. We had Canelo and Billy Joe Saunders originally slated for T-Mobile Arena in Vegas for May 2nd uh, with the Triple G fight to follow afterwards. But fans are going to have to wait. And I know that's quite a blow to yourself, Michael, because you were looking forward to Canelo Triple G3 uh, probably <laughs> just about uh, as soon as Canelo got the victory in the second fight. You wanted an immediate third fight. Um, and I think a lot of other people are in the same boat as you. So... Sorry to hear that we're going to have to wait a little bit longer, but uh, any thoughts on this? Well, I wasn't really too excited about uh, Canelo versus Saunders. Um, I, I, I mean, I don't know. This is one of the major frustrations of 21st century boxing. I mean, the obvious fight to make doesn't get made. And in fact, the obvious fight to make has multiple uh, quote-unquote boxing fans, uh, they're opposed to it. I mean, there's so many people, at least on social media, saying, ah, I don't need to see Golovkin versus Canelo 3. Who who needs that? Uh, what's the point? Yeah. I, I, I don't get it. We And I think we've talked about this before, but I yeah. mean, that's especially the second fight, uh, which was our fight of the year fantastic just a fantastic fight i mean we're talking uh 12 action-packed rounds at the highest level the skill level you know out of this world i mean why would you not want to see them fight again as soon as possible i mean what is boxing about if it's not about matching up best versus best especially when styles happen to mesh well i mean uh, you know, it's a shame that it's just, I mean, we've talked before, I mean, the whole reason or a huge part of the reason why DAZN gave Canelo this massive, whatever it was, $300 million contract. And signed Triple G. Right. Well, they were banking on the fact that they would do the trilogy fight and yep. do it sooner than later because it's one of the biggest fights that can be made in the sport. And is it really hotter now than it was when they signed both of them originally? I don't think so. I think Triple G's, uh, I mean, it's a fight people want to see, obviously, but I think it's a fight that might have over-marinated. Well, can... marinating sucks, you know? Like, like marinating is <laughs> just a bad idea. I yeah, mean, but this is overcooked, I think. Yes, I mean... absolutely. I mean, I mean, if they had done it within six months of the second fight, we're talking something huge. We're yeah. talking possibly, you know, something that would spill over into the mainstream because nobody could ignore how good that second fight was, how close it was, how competitive it was, how, how I mean, that was a fantastic fight. Yeah. And, and these are, and at that point in time, 
uh, you're talking that no one can also argue the fact that these are two of the best in the sport. Now the luster's gone a little bit because Golovkin is getting old and he's starting to look vulnerable. I mean, uh, Alden, you have a stronger opinion on this than myself. You feel that that uh, I hesitate to say his name, Derevyanchenko. Yeah, Sergey Derevyanchenko. Yeah, yeah, he should have got the decision. Yeah, a lot of uh, people did. Yes, so so Golovkin is starting. I mean, what? He's thirty six, thirty seven. He's he's starting to look vulnerable. It's not the same thing. If you had, if you had had an immediate trilogy fight, it would have been huge. Now it's not the same kind of matchup. It's not exactly. Uh, it doesn't have the same gravity. Um, yeah, it's like it's like you know when when two guys are on the same on a parallel path like Ali and Frazier, and they both give a little bit. Great, you know, let's see a third fight. They're both aged a little bit, and you know they brought the best out of each other in that sense because they're both in the same level. But clearly, Canelo and Triple G are on opposite project trajectories, so we don't really have the same window to work with with those two guys. Uh, another point I wanted to make is under you know today's mentality that a lot of fans are not extremely excited by rematches. Could you imagine if we had that same promotional uh, attitude towards rematches in the time when we had the three fights with Barrera and Morales and the four fights with uh, Israel Vasquez and Rafael Marquez and, and fights and tremendous trilogies in years past. We'd never see some of these great fights. <laughs> I know. But, I, I, well, I don't get it. I, I really don't get it at all. Um, and uh, I mean, if you have two great fighters give you a great fight then and if they don't have other options waiting for them why wouldn't you match them up again i mean yeah i don't, I don't get it i mean we we've had some of the greatest trilogy fights in history come after lackluster second fights and this is not you know this would piggyback off of a tremendous second fight i'm thinking of yeah. ali frazier three came off a lackluster second fight you know, Gaddy Ward 2 was very one-sided. Uh, third fight escapes me right now. Um, help me out, Michael. There was, there was another one that... Uh, oh, Barrera Morales 2 was uh, not really a tremendous fight, at least compared to 1 and 3. Um, you know, there's something magical about the third fight, and I think they could really cash into it. But, you know, regardless, well, the they have the agreed to. Well, you know, and let's let's not uh, move on from this topic without, you know, pointing the finger where it needs to be pointed. I mean, if Canelo, if Saul Alvarez wanted to have that third fight happen, it would have happened already. I mean, he's he's the sticking point. He's the problem. Uh, Golden well, Boy, the zone. I mean, they're going to have else it. Everybody is on board. I think we shouldn't lose track of uh, lose sight of the fact that they have agreed to it. You know, people in the know have stated that they've agreed to it after their interim fight. So, so uh, you got to give them well, credit you know, there for finally making it happen. Yeah, but. but you know what? Like, screw the interim fights. I mean, we got the coronavirus. There's going to be no boxing. Yeah. Seriously, there's going to be no boxing at all for at least the next three months. So, you know, hopefully, you know, people come to their senses and realize that if you want to if you want to keep boxing going as a viable enterprise 
you can't fuck around and and have uh, have uh, interim fights. Golovkin versus Canelo, that should be like priority number one set for I don't know what 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 is the Mexican holiday in September? Uh, it, you know, it's got to happen. It's got to happen. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. I mean. Ludabella had an interview with, uh, or Ludabella was interviewed by Dan Canobio. His dad runs uh, CompuBox, or created CompuBox. And he was talking about some of the logistical hurdles with, you know, who gets the priority. Everybody wants a fight now. You know, guys are infuriated. Their fights were canceled. You know, who gets the priority? The guys that uh, just fought uh, in February or January? Or, or do we prioritize the guys who've been waiting for for several, several months? You know, it's, it's going to be a mess getting everything back in the picture. But I agree with you. I mean, boxing, as with uh, any sport that's run similarly, like uh, all of the combat sports, they should, you know, hit the fans with something really good as soon as they can after this spills over and uh, gets resolved globally. And I think Canelo Triple G without an interim fight would be, you know, a good way to um, put boxing back on the map. I think a lot of sports are going to be looking for that kind of an outlet. This pace, I'm not sure if we're going to have an Olympics in Tokyo in 2020. No, it's not happening. It's not Probably happening. Probably not. Yeah. No, no there's so, a, we've, we've lost a lot of great fights, and, and it raises the possibility uh, of, I hope, some absolutely stacked cards happening come the end of the summer or into the fall. I mean, another the another one that we lost was Jean Pascal was in training um, mm. for a possible rematch with Badu Jack. That was one of the best fights of last year. Yeah. Um, I'd love to see that again. Uh, what else? I mean, uh, Anthony well, Joshua. We, yeah, we had Joshua and Pulev. That was his mandatory. Uh, the highest profile heavyweight fights, obviously the third fight with Wilder and Fury. They were slated to go July 18th, but uh, even though that's four months away, Frank Warren's recently come out and said that he didn't expect that date to hold either for Las Vegas, uh, unsurprisingly, really. Um, and that was a third fight that we talked about a little bit on the last show as something that we were kind of less than thrilled to see, but of course Wilder had a contractual right to a third fight, and Got to give him credit for taking it that quickly, but we're going to have to wait a little bit on that, which really equates to having to wait a little bit on a unified heavyweight champion when uh, hopefully Tyson Fury and um, Anthony Joshua get together if they both win their interim fights. So, you know, the whole world's really been put on pause. Boxing, no exception, obviously. The sporting world is the lowest priority, the low-hanging fruit of things to be pushed to the right, obviously. Um, but you know, if we go down to some of the lower weight divisions, we had Naoya Inouye, the monster, given a second chance to build his fan base in the U.S. in Las Vegas, April 25th, where he was going to unify the super flyweight division, uh, excuse me, the bantamweight division against uh, John Real Casimero, who just came off a knockout victory over Zolane Tete. Um, I know this is a fight that you would certainly be looking forward to. Well, I'm. I love the monster. I mean, he's. He's. I mean, well, he was. In my opinion, there's no doubt about it. He's uh, 2019's fighter of the year. 
And uh, I won't go into all the reasons why Canelo could never be our fighter fighter of the year uh, for last year. Um, uh, no, I, I it's a, it's a damn shame. I mean, uh, he he should be stateside. He should be doing fights in the United States in front of larger audiences, building a world a global profile. Because he is a, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, we've we've talked about this before, Alden. I mm. feel I feel that the fight against uh, Donaire, Nonito Donaire, which was the fight of the year. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about uh, a fighter who's on the verge of actual greatness, and there's not too many boxers these days that you can point to and say, you know what? They can stand on the same level as the greats of the past. I mean, he may not be quite there yet, but uh, he, he's he's a phenomenal talent. Yeah, I, I, nobody can argue that. And, I think he uh, has the quickest path to greatness of uh, of uh, almost any fighter in the world today. I think I think he he's he's on an island with a select few fighters and. The way fights get made in the lower weight divisions, I think it's very exciting for the fans to get a big taste of him, and I think he has uh, less promotional hurdles towards getting to that pinnacle than some of the other fighters. I agree, and I would, and once again, I would point out broken orbital bone. Yeah. Second round, broken orbital bone, and then he goes on and defeats Donaire in a in a absolute hellacious war. Um, yeah, it's, it doesn't it's happen a very often. It doesn't I think happen some of the very often. Great broken orbitals in recent years. Fernando Vargas and Shane Mosley comes to mind. Margarito and Manny Pacquiao. You know these guys. You know that was pretty much the end of the fight when those injuries broke through. This guy fought through it for the majority of the fight in a way yeah. against Donaire. So. Yeah, and he, and never gotten uh, the credit that he deserves for that. Um. So yeah, it's it's a shame. Hopefully they're going to reschedule that um, because uh, my personal hope would that would be that he becomes a crossover star. He's young, he's he's interesting. Uh, he's got several good years ahead of him. Um, the the potential is virtually unlimited. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and. Um... You know, his fight will be pushed to the right a little bit, but hopefully it still takes place in Las Vegas, so he gets a chance to expand his global appeal because you know he is a must-see type of fighter. He gives you knockouts. Uh, he's not only very exciting, but he's also brilliantly technical in the ring, and it's a pleasure yes. for for all all types of fight fans to look at. Uh, another technical, brilliant fighter. Vasily Lomachenko had a very intriguing fight slated for May 30th uh, against Teofimo Lopez. They were having a little bit of problems at the negotiating table, according to to Lopez, but another moot point based on coronavirus. That fight is going to be pushed to the right. Hopefully it still happens. Uh, wouldn't want to see any interim fight get in the way of yeah, those two I getting so. into the ring against each other because that's a sensational lightweight fight. Yeah, well, it was supposed to happen in May, correct? May 30th in the garden was uh, yeah, yeah. What, what top rank was thinking. 
Well, it's one of the best matches that can be made in the sport. And um, it's always exciting when you can match up. Uh, I mean, not that not that Lomachenko is old, exactly. But, of course, he turned pro at, a, at an advanced age. And and there's no, you know, he in that kind of matchup, he's like, the, it's like the old master versus the apprentice kind of thing, you know, and it, which is always intriguing. It's like the, the old king versus the usurper who wants to take take his crown. Um, yeah. And uh, and Lopez, you know, he, I mean, he's not he's not just a, a young guy with a big punch. He he, he can box. He's got skills. So he's got uh, enormous uh, self confidence and his ability as well. You know, some yeah. people might allude to Jermaine Taylor beating Bernard Hopkins as kind of uh, something that best case scenario for Teofimo Lopez, um, you know, he might be able to repeat history in that sense. Personally, well, I think Lomachenko is going to be too much for him, but, um, you well, know, I, I mean, I would, I would, if I had, if somebody put a gun to my head and, and forced me to make a pick, it's, it's going to be Lomachenko, of course, but yeah, I mean, Lopez is naturally, a little bigger, a little stronger, punches a little harder. I mean, anything can happen. Um, it's 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 one of the best matchups that can be made in the sport, and they were catching it, in my opinion, at just the right time. So yeah. hopefully they can get this back on the rails uh, before too, you know, sooner than later. Yeah, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be tough because, as Ludabella points out, there's gonna be a lot of uh, competing interest, and everybody's gonna want to get in as soon as possible. And you know, boxing has been has never really been a has never been a seasonal sport. You know, it's almost like boxing season's over, and <laughs> boxing season will restart in uh, the early fall. So, you know, a lot of people are gonna be trying to to um, fight at the same time and promoters don't want to put together these loaded loaded cards and spend all that money and and risk several different main events so you know i think just those logistics are going to make some of these fights difficult to to put on on a as soon as possible basis in and of itself so well, it's not going to be i mean you're you're I, I i don't doubt that you're correct in this alden but but let's just indulge ourselves and fantasize that you know, I mean, the something's got to give, right? Something's got to give. And come August, September, I mean, maybe, you know, best case scenario, we have one major fight card after another, weekend after weekend after weekend, because uh, these fights got to happen, you know? They do. And, it's and, just, and you know, boxing. venues and who's going to, you know, the time to promote it. It's not easy to be on a press tour for a fight as big as Canelo Triple G when you're still dealing with quarantines in different parts of the world. You know, these some of these big fights, they have international press tours, boxing being an international sport. You know, it takes time to have these fights built up to the level where promoters think they're going to get their money's worth. Not to mention, you know, being able to schedule out different venues, reserving them for the time. Uh, I don't... I don't Frankly, I'm I'm not uh, an expert in what it's like to be a promoter, so God bless those who are, and hopefully they make those happen uh, as soon as they can. But you know, I think we're going to see some interesting things. You know, we've never seen boxing season start <laughs> like it might this time. 
Well, you know, this whole situation reminds me a little bit of, uh, well, it, it takes me back to a fight that was, that, that, that gained a greater significance than it maybe merited um, due to the political context, the, the, the situation outside, and that was Bernard Hopkins versus Felix Trinidad. Mm-hmm. And the September 11th uh, attacks had taken place. Yep. The fight had, had been postponed. And when the fight took place at Madison Square Garden, I mean, it was more than just a fight. You know, yep. it, it became an event that helped to, you know, along with other events uh, that helped to heal the city of New York. And I like to think that, you know, hopefully when all this has passed and hopefully it's sooner than later, you know, boxing can be a vehicle by which, uh, you know, we come back together and we and we rebuild and and uh, major boxing events happening on a frequent basis within a compressed period of time. You know, it could it could do people a lot of good. Uh, yeah, I, I, that that will definitely involve a lot of uh, a lot of working together amongst the promoters, which can also be a very good thing. You could also, you know, create alliances that haven't always been easy to make before, because a lot of people are going to be working together. A lot of competing interests previously will have to be cooperating to make what you want to happen happen, inevitably. Uh, which is why. Uh, Likely there will be plenty of hiccups on the back end, but best case scenario, you know, if people can come together like they did for Hopkins Trinidad and and put this together and 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 work together, you know, we we could create a more unified sport than we've had in the past. So, best case scenario, though. <laughs> best case scenario. Hey, at this point in time, Alden, we got to be positive, right? We got to yeah. be positive, and. Uh, Looking to the future, hoping for the best. So I'm with you. I'm the, I'm on the same page as you. Let's let's hope that uh, everybody can come together in boxing, make some positive things happen. Uh, some big fights, some big fight cards. Uh, everybody would benefit. Yeah. One of the most positive fighters I had a chance to talk to recently is former unified 140-pound champion Regis Ruguru Progre, who originally had a fight with former WBO 140-pound champion Maurice Hooker, slated for April 17th at the MGM National Harbor near Washington, D.C. You know, this, as he notes in the interview that I'll be featuring in just a minute now, this is probably the best fight at 140 this year in a very packed division. You know, we had a few other fights at 140. Uh, we had Josh Ramirez, excuse me, Jose Ramirez taking on Victor Postal, Josh Taylor fighting an undo mandatory. But these are two very dangerous former champions fighting each other after respective losses and both eager to prove themselves as the next worthy fighter um to unify the division once Josh Taylor and Jose Ramirez fight each other, hopefully. But of course it's delayed. And, uh, you know, since it will be delayed indefinitely, I just wanted everyone to have a chance to hear Regis Progray talk about his expectations for this fight and also talk about his mentality 
weaving, weaving the uh, Josh Taylor fight in the first loss of his professional career. Everybody knows that, you know, I can hit real hard and I can do all that type of stuff, but I'm a beautiful boxer at the same time. You know, my one of my main things that I I do struggle with, I'm not going to lie, is, is is my mentality, is my mindset. Do I want to come and be a destroyer or do I want to come and be a beautiful boxer? Um, you know, so that's that's one of the main things I think, like, I have I have trouble with is, you know, is, is like, my, um, my not, not my image, but, like, my personality in the ring and, what I want to bring out at that time because I can, I really feel like I can do it all. I can move my feet. I'm athletic. I'm fast. I'm strong. I have a, a, a real, very, very durable chin. Um, I mean, I know I can do, I can kind of do almost anything in the ring, but sometimes for me, it all depends on what do I want to do. And sometimes what I want to do might not be the best thing that I should do, basically. Talking about the fight with Josh Taylor, was there? A, did you go into that fight wanting to duke it out, or was there a moment in that fight where you decided that you wanted to fight toe to toe with Taylor, and uh, even though it looked like you were the superior boxer at distance, kind of fight his game? And that's exactly why. Like I, I was, I was, I was definitely the better boxer at the distance, you know. But when he figured that out, that I was better than him at the distance, you know, he stepped into me. And he wants to fight. And so for me, like I said, like going back to what I said, it's my mindset. Sometimes my mindset, I'll, at, at heart, I'm a fighter. At heart, I'm not a boxer. At heart, I'm a fighter. I love to fight. I know I know people can't hurt me. I know my chin is tough. I know my legs are strong. You're not going to be able to hurt me. I know that. And I know I hit hard. So for me, I can fight you all night. But in a Taylor fight, that's something I shouldn't have did because, you know, he – um. You know, he had more – I think he had more success than me when he was fighting. If I would have boxed him, I probably would have stopped him, to be honest. Yeah, going back to that, you know, like, if I would have boxed a little more and ran him into shots, you know, like, I probably could have stopped him. You know, I know I hurt him a few times, and, you know, everybody know, I, like, I messed up. I'm, I really, like, messed his eye up, and he couldn't see. So, at that time, the only thing – the only thing he could have did is step into me and fight me. And me, I should have – I know – now, of course, I look back at it, and I just should have boxed him. I should have just ran him into a shot, and I probably would have stopped him, got him out of there. But, you know, his only result was just to fight me. And, you know, I was, you know, I got duped into fighting him. You know, that's because I'm a fighter by heart, and that's what I want to do. Um, so, you know, now it's just like, you know, just of course, every now and then you, you definitely you need to fight and you want to fight. Um, but sometimes I just need to know when to switch it on and switch it off. And um, that's like, that's the... I think that's what I'm, you know, I'm working on right now. So when you look at your legacy and your path forward and your career, are you able to look past the Taylor fight, or is that a chip on your shoulder that you're just gonna have to avenge as soon as possible? I gotta, I gotta fight Taylor again. You know, as far as legacy right now, I don't even think I have a legacy right now. I'm too, I'm too young in the sport. I have so much to prove and so much more to offer right now. But, you know, yeah, and so you know. Um, I, I definitely want the Josh Taylor rematch. You know, if it's if it's not soon, it'll it'll definitely be. You know, it'll it'll be one day. I don't I don't even think it'll be soon. If listen, if I if I was his management, I wouldn't fight me right now soon anyway. You know, I would I would wait a little while and let the fight build up and hopefully he's beat it. Or you know, if he doesn't, you know, he just you know he still he stays hopefully a relevant name in the in boxing and um 
and then I'm definitely going to do my part and, you know, just, just go back on and destroying people like I've been doing. And hopefully, you know, we can, we can get that fight done one day in the future. Your fight against Maurice Hooker, is this a new chapter for Regis Progray, or is this an opportunity? Uh, is this just another bump in the road? This is another bump in the road. There's not a, I don't think it's a new chapter or nothing like that. It's just for me, it's just another bump in the road. That's all. Um, just another opponent. That's it. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't even want to look at it. like I, I'm still the same person. I still, you know, every fight I train my ass off all the time. So for me, it's just, it's just another bump in the road. How do you view Maurice Hooker in terms of the challenges he brings to you, being a tall, tall fighter? I mean, I, I can't see how he can outbox me from the outside. Or definitely can't fight me from the inside. You know what I what I think that what I he's gonna do is they're gonna try to copy the same thing that Josh Taylor did. They're gonna try to get on the inside and just try to lean on me and do things like that. Uh, from the outside, I really don't think he's gonna be able to outbox me. And from the inside, I don't think he's gonna be able to outfight me. So the main thing what he's gonna do from my last fight, Josh Taylor had success where he was leaning on me and then hit me. That's what I, I think. That's what he'll try to do. But I don't know. But I, even if he doesn't do that, I'm not planning for that. I'm planning for you know. I'm just going out there and be me. That's the main thing. I go out there, have fun. I be me. I got a lot. My last fight against Taylor, I um I did a lot of things I just wasn't supposed to do. Basically, in the fight, you know, and just I just went out there and fought just way way too much. So this time I'm not going. You know, I don't plan on fighting them that much like I did last time. That's all. Against Taylor, you made a couple attempts at the scale to make 140. Is that an issue that you've been having? Do you foresee yourself moving up to 147 at some point in the near future? I, I like I don't know where that's coming from, but I never I never had trouble at all making the 140. Actually, it was easy. I had I had like yeah I had my draws on. I took my draws off and I made the weight. So that's like yeah, it wasn't. I didn't have to go and go make weight and go run and nothing like that. Like I weighed in the scale. I was one at the at the scale, I was 140 point something. I was 140.1. I took my draws up. I was 139, you know, 139 or something like that. So, no, I didn't. I mean, I'm making the weight. Right now at 140, I'm making the weight easier and easier. Against my last, before Taylor fight, my last fight with Relic, I made the weight easy. In a Josh Taylor fight, I made the weight. I made the weight very easy. So, mm-hmm. no, um, yeah, I'll be at 140. But, of course, eventually I will go to 147. Okay. Is there a, is there a plan to first try unify the 140 pound division before you go to 147, or are your options open regardless? Uh, I mean, I want to. For me, I want to just. Um, well, I want the belts. I definitely want the belts. I want I want the belts at 140, and then after that, you know, then I'll I'll think about moving up to 147. Okay. Is there one last thing you'd like to tell the fans about uh, what to watch for on April 17th against Maurice Hooker? Um, I mean, you're going to see me, man. You're going to see a spectacular fight. You know, it's, this is, I mean, this is basically, this is the best fight in the division right now. At one point, at one point this is the best fight. I don't think nobody, nobody's really caring about Jose Ramirez. You know, he, he's fighting Victor Postal. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think too many people are worried about that. And then, you know, Josh Taylor, he's fighting his, his man for riches of nobody. So nobody cares about that. So right now, like this is the best fight at one forty. Um, I totally agree. Yeah, this is the best fight at one forty that you can make right now. So, you know, um, and it's not even for belts and nothing like that. You have the two champions there occupied. They're busy what they're gonna do, but nobody even cares about what's going on with them right now. This is the best fight. So, you know, this is the one.
Yeah. I, uh, in my opinion, I thought your fight with Josh Taylor last year was the fight of the year. Uh, I'd mm-hmm. hope to see a rematch, hopefully for all four belts, if Taylor and Ramirez get to yeah. unify the division later. Love to see right. you and him get it on again. Um, and I really just wish you the best. Expect a tough, clean fight. Protect yourself at all times. Any questions in the challenge? And that was Regis Progre. Very thankful to have him join us on the Fight City. That wraps it up for episode 39 of the Fight City podcast. We appreciate everyone listening to our show. I hope everyone's doing fine. Hope the best for everyone and their family. And for you, Michael, I uh, wish you the best. Just like you, I hope the boxing scene reemerges sooner than later. And um, appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, Alden. Wash your hands, and everybody, stay home. Protect yourself at all times. Any questions in the challenge?